Well, I've got a listener who says, Dan, it's been 48 days and I'm still not successful. Well, yes, I firmly believe in the 48 days model, 48 days to the work and life you love. But see, that's enough time to assess where you are, get the advice of other people you trust, identify your best options, do some more research to narrow down to the best two or three, then choose one and act. That means you now know what to do to be making clear deposits of success toward your dream. Now, yes, it may take a little longer for that to come into full view. All right, stick around. We're going to be exploring what to do when your circumstances are challenging and how to keep learning, preparing, and moving toward that dream right after these messages from our supporting sponsors. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. So let's have fun unpacking this together. Does it really only take 48 days to be successful? All right. Now, as part of this understanding, we're going to look at what's the meaning of the Stockdale Paradox? What were Ted Turner and Nelson Mandela really doing when it looked like they were failing? And why your own hero's journey is giving you the opportunity you need. Now, there's some terms in there we're going to unpack that'll help you to understand your own path that you're on and what you can do to maximize the speed toward your own success. Our quotation for today then comes from Earl Nightingale, who said very famously, success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal or ideal. Now, see, that allows us to consider success while you're going, not just as a destination, but the journey itself. So if you, in that definition, you can be a sophomore in high school and be successful because you're progressively realizing a worthy goal. You know, there's a lot of things you can see as you're successful. You can decide you're going to build schoolhouses in Haiti and live on $10,000 a year. And that's success because it's the progressive realization of a worthy goal or ideal that you may have. So we're going to look at it in that way. Now, our resource today is 48days.com slash fly. Real easy. 48days.com slash fly. That tells you more about this exciting event we've got coming up here in Sarasota. A lot of people are talking about it. We're uh, adding things. We're going to have a um, challenging time getting everything into two days. We're going to extend it a little beyond that. It's going to be a Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday morning, we're going to do a beach walk. One of my granddaughters is going to be leading that beach walk down Casperson Beach. So we're going to extend it a little more, knowing that the networking and the connecting is as important as any content we're going to cover. So check it out, 48days.com slash fly. Okay, so the question comes from Nathan. Nathan's a regular listener. He's a young, very successful businessman who stepped away from the corporate environment a couple of years ago. Is doing really well, and he's uh, eager to be get on that path to the success that he's been dreaming about. So he says, "Dan, I have a patience problem. Will you comment on the role of patience in the process of creating the work and life we love? 
I recall that you created 48 days because the people you were working with had a tendency to delay taking action for months or years. 48 days is a very intentional time frame. Yet you also share the many years it took you to dig out of the financial mess you were in, years that it must have felt like you were spinning your wheels and making little progress. Did you ever wonder if it would ever pay off or that the future you were trying to create would ever come? How do you reconcile the need for intentional effort with a patience that may be required for results that may take significant time? I'm not just asking for myself. In my Young Professionals Networking Group, we talk about how maturity requires reconciling high aspirations with matching realistic expectations. I'm also reminded of Jim Collins' Stockdale Paradox from Good to Great. But that said, a common theme keeps emerging that goes like this. I'm dreaming big and pushing hard, but it's taking longer than I had hoped. Maybe there's more than one type of patience, proactive patience versus passive patience. What do you think? Well, Nathan, you have so succinctly compiled some great questions here that I know resonate with a whole lot of people. So we're going to use that as a basis for unpacking this concept together. What if it's taking more than 48 days? And and certainly is, you know, again, 48 days is an, an adequate time for planning and starting toward the ultimate success that you want to experience. But again, it may take a little longer than that. And I certainly have my own examples to share that, which Nathan alluded to here. So I've never been in prison. And I don't want to in any way imply that I've experienced the horror of being a prisoner of war. But there have been times when I found myself relating to what you refer to in Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, what he referred to as the Stockdale Paradox. Now, here's what that is, if you're not familiar with the term. James Stockdale, who was a former vice presidential candidate, was held captive as a prisoner of war for over seven years during the Vietnam War. During this time, Stockdale was repeatedly tortured. He had no reason to believe he'd be released or even survive. But in that grim reality, he found a way to stay alive by embracing both the helplessness of his situation and a healthy optimism. Now, that's really important if you can grasp that, embracing both the helplessness of his situation and a healthy optimism. And Stockdale explained this balance. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. Now, I've had plenty of opportunity to to live this out, but that's a real important principle. See, the Stockdale Paradox then confirms the idea that you can have an optimistic expectation and believe you will overcome all difficulties while at the same time confronting the seemingly inevitable negative outcome of your current situation. This reminds me of another book, Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. I mean, he writes in there that prisoners within Nazi concentration camps who did not survive usually died around Christmas time. And he believed that they had such a strong hope that they'd be out by Christmas, that they simply died of hopelessness when that didn't turn out to be true. So yeah, there have been times when I've had to balance what Frankel termed tragic optimism with reality. But now, as you've heard me talk about on here, for years I've set goals where I have about a 50-50 chance of achieving those. 
I mean, I'm energized by the thrill of not being sure that it's going to work out while still working diligently toward their accomplishment. Now, there have been times when I was directly responsible for the success or the learning that comes, and there have been times when I felt like I was a bystander, like being a prisoner of war, where you, you don't really have control, where you feel like an observer of your own life. Um, recently, I had a situation with Williamson County in Tennessee. I say recently, this took place over a, a period of years, but there were a couple possibilities we could get the required permits on the property, the building that we were talking about, our beloved sanctuary that we had in Tennessee. We could see the property value go up and move on. Another possibility was complete rejection. The county could enforce their early suggestion that we bulldoze the sanctuary, turning that beautiful property into essentially an extended yard. I mean, there were many times in that process where it seemed miserable and hopeless, but we kept acting with faith and confidence that our wildest dream just might come true. Thus, the paradox, again, things that we had no control over that seemed really hopeless and negative, and yet our confident belief, the dream that we'd get everything resolved, property would go up in value and all that, well, that took four years, nine months, and three days. Not as long as... James Stockdale was in prison, but it took four years, nine months, and three days. I didn't resolve it in 48 days, trust me. But after that period of time, we did get a complete resolution. I continued to push and prod and show up and just be confident we were going to get it resolved. I kept telling the county officials I was confident we were going to. Just tell me what we needed to do. So we did get everything resolved. But during that four years, nine months, and three days, where we seemed to not have a control over what was going on, we did a lot of dreaming. And we realized that if we were forbidden to have our 48 days events on that property, which was part of the issue, that then we had a lot of work to just maintain the property. Had nine acres just for the two of us, Joanne and me, and the occasional visits of our children and grandkids. So we started dreaming of a place with less maintenance, still with grass and trees, but not as much. Maybe a smaller house would fit our needs well. Maybe even our own swimming pool with a lanai where we could have friends over. All that dream was clarified during that time of not knowing what was coming next. But it didn't stop us from dreaming, from clarifying, from making deposits toward that dream. I mean, we made multiple trips down here to Florida. We looked at, um, well, I think we looked at well over 60 homes during that process. And, And a lot of those, I mean, we looked at them well before we were in a position to purchase So what's the situation in your life that has both glaring, brutal facts, but also the potential of a positive outcome? And it's not about choosing which position to take, but rather learning how to embrace the seeming opposition and realize they are necessary and connected to our resiliency, our wholeness, and the completion of that dream in the future. I mean, how are you combining hope with the reality of things in your life right now that you cannot change? You know, a couple of weeks ago on my short Monday podcast that I call Wisdom of the Sages, I told the story of Nelson Mandela. And when Nelson Mandela, I'm going to just, it's brief. I'm just going to insert it again here. When Nelson Mandela was put in prison in 1962 at the age of 44, the prison warden sneered, this is where you will die. 
And of course, we know Nelson Mandela was assigned to grueling physical labor, working in a stone quarry to dig out limestone and then use a heavy hammer to smash the rocks into gravel. But he decided not to use this as an excuse to abandon his exercise regime. He'd start 5 a.m. in the morning in his damp six-foot square cell. He began by running in place for 45 minutes, followed by 100 fingertip push-ups, 200 sit-ups, 50 deep knee bends and burpees, you know, where you stand, start standing, move into a squat position, kick your feet back, return to squat, and then stand up. He'd do this routine Monday through Thursday, then rest for three days. While in prison at age 70, he contracted tuberculosis, was admitted to the prison hospital coughing blood. So he added swimming laps in the hospital swimming pool to his daily routine. He was released from prison on February 11, 1990 at the age of 72, and then, of course, went on to serve as the first president of a democratic South Africa from 1994 to 1999. Nelson Mandela had been in prison for 27 and a half years. But here's where it gets interesting. Years later, when he was asked in an interview how he survived all those years in prison, he responded, I wasn't surviving. I was preparing. Preparing. Wow. You know, we hear talk about the hero's journey. I mean, it comes from uh, Joseph Campbell really kind of crystallized it using a lot of Carl Jung's kind of theory about how our lives develop, but the hero's journey. And and what that really means, it's just it's the common kind of template of stories that we hear that involve a hero who goes on an adventure and is victorious in some kind of decisive crisis and then comes home changed or transformed. I mean, that's pretty cool. It's kind of the setup Donald Miller from StoryBrand uses the hero's journey a lot in how he sets up even helping companies tell their story or individuals telling the story. He uses the model of a movie, which really is the hero's journey. There's somebody, you know, who's in crisis. And then along comes somebody who's going to be the guide to help them get out of that. And then you see a resolution. There may be pulse possible alternative resolutions, but you're going to see something. That's the hero's journey. And you're you're on your own hero's journey. I mean, it's kind of fun to see it that way. You can picture yourself as a white knight on a white horse if you want to, or whatever that image may be. But yeah, you're on your hero's journey. So here's another journey of mine. In September of 1988, I sold a business at auction. It's primary business that I had, and I realized the next morning I was $430,000 in debt. Didn't walk away from that. I thought I'd at least clear out, be even, go on to the next adventure as an entrepreneur. No, that didn't happen. I was $430,000 in debt. Much of that to the IRS. And trust me, they're the last person in the world, the last organization in the world you want to be indebted to. Their tactics back then were a little more brutal than they are today, I think. I used to have a wake up and have a guy stand in my driveway at 5.30 a.m. in the morning. Just intimidation. It was horrible. Well, guess what? That took a long, it took me 12 years. 12 years. Again, that was September of 1988. 12 years to unpack that. I thought I could get through it in a couple years. Now, part of it was I was advised to just file bankruptcy. And because of the way I was raised and my uh, focus on integrity and keeping your word, I chose not to do that. So that extended a little bit of time. I don't regret that at all, but it extended the time a little bit 
to get rid of that. But my life was not on hold in those 12 years. That's the point I really want to share. My life wasn't on hold. You know, see, success doesn't show up all at once. It shows up as a result of a whole lot of small steps that have been done to take us in that direction. It's a stepping stone process to get us in that direction. During that period of time, I started coaching. I bartered with an attorney where I coached him, and in exchange, he gave me, he had access with the timeshare, and I could choose anywhere we wanted to go, and we chose to go to a, a castle up in the Cotswolds in England. We went over there for a 10-day stay. It was marvelous. We stayed in, in this castle. It was, a, it was just outside Stratford-upon-Avon, that little classic medieval town where William Shakespeare was born. We stayed there. I did that during that period of time. I also started and completed my doctoral studies through Oxford Graduate School. Man, I'm making, I was making frequent trips to Oxford, England as part of that process. Yes, I still had debt to pay, but I didn't stop investing in my own personal development. I didn't take out any student loans. I just paid as I went. Absolutely loved the process and completed my doctoral studies in religion and society. I purchased a house in that period of time. This was a rental house where the utilities had been turned off for two months, but the renters were still living there. Just to give you a little bit of a, a sense of how nasty this whole situation was. Now, I couldn't show any property in my name because the IRS would seize it, so I created a trust in my oldest son, Kevin's name. I gave the current owner $3,000 on a Saturday morning standing in the front yard of that house, took over on an old non-qualifying FHA loan. So again, a lot of creative pieces to make that happen. It wasn't a great place, but we moved in. We lived there for two years, did some improvements, put it on the market, sold it in 24 hours and walked away with a $21,000 profit. Again, this is during that 12-year period of time where I was under a cloud with the IRS and really not able to move toward our dream. Or was I? You know, we continued. Joanna and I continued with date night every Friday night. Living in Nashville, I mean, there were just wonderful concerts and music events every week. We went to lots of free concerts at churches, community centers, other music venues. I mean, our date night might consist of a two-for-one coupon at Arby's for dinner, but we continued creating some, some kind of special experience every single week. It was during that time that Joanne and I started leading a Sunday school class where everything I do today was birth. Yes, I mean, I mean, right while we were wounded, deeply in debt, struggling to survive, I mean, that church, Christ Church in Nashville, was brave and gracious in asking us to even teach at that time. But the support that we got in agreeing to lead while we were, while we were learning was critical in our healing and growth process. I mean, during that period of time, I'd cut out pictures of the kind of house we wanted. Again, we, we had to rent, except for that little stint where I made a creative arrangement to buy a house and then sell it and make a little money, but we had to rent. I'd cut out pictures of the kind of house we wanted. I mean, we didn't know in that 12-year period, period that we'd ever be able to own a house again. A lot of people told us we'd never resolve the issues with the IRS, but we never stopped dreaming about what we wanted. I mean, we'd look through magazines together, identify the features we wanted, so we were super clear on our dream. And I want to advise you to do that. 
don't be unclear on what you're moving toward. If you're in circumstances that you don't welcome and you're not clear about what the idea would be, then you really feel overwhelmed and frustrated. Be clear on what it is that you want, even during that period of time. We put together a flyer about the house that we wanted. This was while I had all this cloud over us. We were in deep financial trouble. I put together a flyer that said $1,000 reward, home wanted, lease purchase, purchase option. You know, I put in there how much we could afford to pay maximum monthly. We wanted a 2,500 to 3,500 square foot house, older style house preferred, fixer upper okay, unusual design or features allowed, a front porch, Victorian style, English gardens would be added bonuses, nearby planes, trains, and automobiles are major drawbacks, water, trees, and butterflies, neighboring cows are welcome, garden-like setting, more important than particulars of the house, Possible study or library for home writing office, a plus. Outdoor arbors, gardens, and exploring space supporting a haven of peace, a must. One to 20 acres, you find it, we confirm it. $1,000 finder's fee. We had that flyer. You know, it's funny, I was just in preparing my notes a minute ago. I pulled that up. I hadn't looked at it in years. That was that flyer we put together in May of 2000. Again, still had all kinds of complications in our situation. Nothing resolved, but I was proposing a creative way for us to get our dream home anyway. And we had that flyer delivered into the private mailboxes of a hundred real estate agents in our agent, in our area. And believe me, that stirred up a lot of activity and possibilities immediately. In September of that year, of 2000, we got the IRS lien releases I'd done an offer and compromise, negotiated a solution to our longstanding issue. Had an attorney working with me, was gracious, worked on just non-ending during that period of time. So after 12 years, on September 14th, 2000, I walked into my office, saw the fax machine running, and in came 14 pages of IRS lien releases. All my debt was gone. That cleared out the last of everything. My net worth was a beautiful, beautiful zero. I was 53 years old. On that same month, we bought the property that we just left a couple of years ago when we moved down here to Florida. And the property that we had there had, the, the property that we had there, when we did buy that, had unusual designer features. It was an older style, looked like kind of a farmhouse. It wasn't that old, but it kind of was designed like that. It was in between the 2,500 and 3,500 square feet, almost exactly in the middle there, 3,000. It had a front porch, a big front porch. It had plenty of areas for gardens. It had small barns, a couple of them there. I was way back off the road, so it didn't have planes, trains, or automobiles. It had plenty of trees, butterflies, and neighboring cows. didn't have water on it, but it gave us the opportunity to build a couple of water features with running water running down a dry creek. It was a really beautiful thing that we were able to add a few years later. Certainly a garden-like setting. It did have a study and library. Uh, it had everything that we had identified that we wanted before we ever saw it. That's the way it works when you're clear on your dream. 
in that period of time as well, in that 12 years, because of the preparation I'd been doing, studying, teaching, writing, I already had the first version of 48 Days to the Work You Love, that that old three-ring binder that I talk about. That was the first poorly done product. That was in 2000 that I released that. So just that same year. Then in 2002, Joanna and I went to a conference called Megabook University with Mark Victor Hansen out in LA. We came back to Nashville and in the next 24 months, sold over $2 million worth of that three-ring binder. Then I got my first book deal with a publisher in 2005. 48 Days Quickly became a New York Times bestseller. That was a long period of time. That's more than 48 days over and over and over again. Again, 48 days, is that a good time to get the planning done? Create a plan, start moving in that direction. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Well, here we got a couple more examples here to go to walk through this. How do you handle when you're impatient, when your dream isn't fully fulfilled yet? 48 days has passed. What do you do? Well, hey, this music, just a reminder that you can submit your questions. Go back to more questions next week again. You can shoot those in 48days.com slash askdan. That's where you can go to leave an audio recording or just uh, type your question out, which most people do. Again, 48days.com slash askdan. So several years ago, I saw Ted Turner being interviewed on CNN. And the interviewer asked Ted how he kept going when his sailing team lost year after year. And his baseball team was in last place for four years before going on to win the World Series. How could he keep going when he seemed to be losing again and again and without any hesitation? I remember so clearly I was on a treadmill in our house and I was watching this. Without any hesitation, Ted said, I wasn't losing. I was learning how to win. I mean, he just He didn't even accept the idea that he was losing. I was learning how to win. So how do we respond when things aren't going as we had planned? What are you going to do with time when you're not as much in control? I mean, even if you're stuck in traffic or have a delayed flight, it always amazes me how irritated people become with a delayed flight or, you know, there's some kind of maintenance problem on the plane and they're just angry. Like, are you kidding me? You really want to go with something possibly not perfect on the plane? Well, you know, what if you find yourself in the middle of a global pandemic? Or what if you're in prison? I mean, we've had couple of people here, a couple of listeners here recently, you know, he's one who had just gotten out of prison, but he planned in advance because he knew he was going to be there and prepared himself to be a tutor to other people who were in the prison. I mean, what a cool kind of thing. Another guy who uh, just averted going to prison, he's on probation, but you know what, what if there are those kind of things that you really don't want and feel like your life has been taken away from you? Are you totally out of control or do you still have the opportunity to control how you think, how you plan, what you dream for? You know, Robert Greene, who's the author of 48 Laws of Power, great book, says there are two types of time in our lives, dead time when we're passive and waiting and alive time when we're learning and preparing for the future we want. So Nathan, you know, what, what you're calling proactive patience versus passive patience, yeah, falls right in line with that you know, dead time or a lifetime. We can choose no matter what the circumstances are. I mean, how, how's that for an approach to the situation we're all confronted with? I mean, if you're in a situation now that you can't control, will you look back and see that time as a total waste? 
you know, is dead time? Or was it a time of learning and preparing? I mean, if you just had a business failure, you've lost everything. Or do you now know more about winning in business than you ever had? You know, if your marriage is strained, are you losing or are you learning how to win in that important relationship? Now, it seems like, you know, I hear from a lot of people who are convinced they've wasted years of their lives pursuing the wrong career. I mean, sticking with the wrong job or getting the wrong degree. Would you really have been able to discover the right career or job without that first experience? I mean, I tell people often that the early years in your career, often the most value is in identifying what you don't want to do. That's good learning. I mean, would I have been able to discover the kind of work I do today without going through that dreadful 12 years after failing at the business I thought I had built? And I was building businesses where I thought the way you grow in a business is you get bigger buildings and hire more employees. Going through that experience opened my eyes to this amazing world of selling information, knowledge, having electronic products, writing books, things that allowed expansive growth without more buildings or more employees. Now, believe me, when I, when I crashed, as I did financially back then, it felt like I was losing, but it didn't take long for me to see lessons learned that I probably would have never seen if I hadn't had that experience. And that new learning allowed me to come back stronger and higher than ever before. So maybe we just need to reframe some of what we're going through. In this unexpected, unwelcome time, if that describes what you're in right now, believe that you are learning how to win. Believe that you're preparing for the future that you know is coming. And if you temporarily lost your job or business, understand that you have now the opportunity to learn how to win. Use this time to read, write, reach out to people, build new relationships, try new things, look for new opportunities. You know, just this week I saw from our Dean of Mindset, Marianne Renner, one of her emails came out and said, if you really want to feel confident and in control all the time, do this. Number one, Never try anything new. Number two, don't try to grow. Number three, stay with what you know. Oh my gosh, I cringe even reading that now. Um, Just thinking through that. I I don't want to. I I would rather feel out of control at some times. But knowing that change is possible. Something new, some new adventure is possible. I don't want to keep things the same. Uh, and you can decide right now. You can decide to, to make the next three to six months of time. You'll look back on as a sacred time of preparing and learning, learning, not just surviving. So Nathan, hey, this is an ongoing process. I mean, success is a journey, not a destination. I mean, you and your friends can be making deposits in your success journey, even if current circumstances don't look like success from the outside. I mean, success is more an inner process than outer evidence. Now, you say you're not asking just for yourself. Man, I love the fact that you're sharing your concerns with the other other people in your networking group. I mean, yes, keep dreaming big and pushing hard. Trust the process that if you have a clear dream and are making deposits, you are, in fact, already successful. 
mean, I never stop dreaming. I love the process. I spend hours talking with Joanne. Just this last Sunday, we were in the pool and, uh, I, I asked her, you know, again, which I do a lot, you know, what are your dreams? What do you want? And she got all excited about teaching an art class. Some ladies have been asking her about that. And she came in and put it together as, as it all mapped out. I mean, just what a cool way to put legs in a dream that quickly. I love spending time with our kids and grandkids, clarifying their dreams. Remember our quotation for today from Earl Nightingale, success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal or ideal. Well, I'm dreaming big and pushing hard. And uh, sure, the things that I want take a little time. So here, here's our summary. Let me just kind of wrap up on this. Number one, 48 days is enough time to dream, imagine, clarify, create a plan of action and act. That means you are confidently making deposits toward your dream, not implying that you fully accomplish that dream in that period of time. Number two, rec- but, but it puts you on a path. That's the thing. You know, don't walk around confused or just procrastinating. Get clarity. And wow, I mean, that's half the process of being there. All right. Number two, recognize that regardless of how negative your circumstances seem to be, you can be learning and preparing like Ted Turner and Nelson Mandela were. Number three, failure occurs only if you are in the passive patience mode. Number four, proactive patience, your other term, Nathan, can keep you moving toward your dream even if circumstances are out of your control. And number five, the Stockdale paradox allows us to endure and dream at the same time. Wow, great question. Thanks for sharing that with us. Pass this back along to the other people that you're sharing life with there. Uh, yeah, but you know, I'm not real fond of the term patience. I'm not, I'm not a patient guy at all. But I replace patience, which kind of implies not doing a whole lot, just kind of waiting to see what happens. You know, I place that with a lot of massive activity to keep me moving forward, even if there are circumstances right now that I'm not real thrilled about. Well, hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in your questions. Again, just go to 48days.com slash askdan to leave your question there. Thanks for being open to growing and being a powerful force for making the world a better place. Hey, share this with your friends. I mean, that's the thing that helps us keep growing. Last week, I shared about some new countries that we seem to be showing up in pretty strong. You know, thrilled about that. Um, we Our audience is growing, and it's thanks to you, our listeners, who are sharing it with others. Become known as being the kind of person who shares positivity. Someone who offers hope and encouragement to others. Not just a, a empty hope, wishing, no, something with legs on it, where you really help somebody map out what they want to do to move toward the success that they want. Stay committed to your belief that we can, without a shadow of a doubt, find or create work in a life that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. I'll see you next week.